Super Talk Mississippi media production. Come see your locally owned and operated Linton Glass for all your glass needs. No matter what glass you need to replace, you can count on Linton Glass. Call us today at 601-835-4336 or find us on the web at lintonglass.com. Welcome into Sports Sunday, the penultimate edition. In its current form, anyway, the penultimate edition of Sports Sunday. I'm Michael Borky, he's Stephen Gagliano. In case you didn't listen on the 4th of July, this, like I said, is the penultimate edition forever. We're not coming back in football season. We are going away for good. And it's all your fault. <laughs> I, am, uh, I am just kidding. My head's cut off in the stream. It's making me laugh. I, I had to push the chair all the way down, and I'm still, like, I'm leaning down even, like, you know, sitting like I'm hanging out, and my head is still cut off some. So, Real casual here on a Sunday morning. I mean, why not, right? I, I did an entire show with my feet up on the desk one time, so good times there. But yeah, this is, uh, this is the penultimate uh, edition of the show. Uh, talked about it last week some. Uh... There's a lot of reasons for it, and none of which I feel like talking about today. So let's just have fun and uh, enjoy ourselves. What is going to happen after this, though? Let me tell you. First of all, uh, there is a Ole Miss-focused podcast on our network called The Rebel Report. Steven will not be gone forever. He will be co-hosting that podcast. It will be thrice weekly. Is that how you say it? I think so. Thrice weekly, three times a week, about a half hour or so, give or take. And um, that'll start after I get back from vacation, three weeks from, I don't know, after SEC Media Days, uh, I'm leaving that Saturday, coming back Thursday, and then we'll get off and running. So if you're an Ole Miss fan and you want more Steven, you'll get more Steven. You'll also get more Steven on the scoreboard show, and of course, via his uh, very important news director job, on no longer News Mississippi, but Super Talk News. Correct. Yes, I'm still everywhere, and you, you still are can't everywhere. get away from me. Which is fine, you know? Eh, there's probably people out there. Actually, I know that there are people that would like to get away from me based on my Twitter mentions from this week. Uh-oh, but, what happened? What'd eh, you do? I didn't do anything. I don't know what, what happened. I want to know. <laughs> no, it was... What did you do? It was what did con- you report? It was connected. Fake news? Yeah, I've, anything with... With COVID right now, and we won't get too deep into this, but I could write an article just saying this is exactly what happened, and then I'll get people from both sides saying that you're lying, basically, because no one can agree on exactly where we're at with this thing. So, yeah, get a lot of good mentions on Twitter about that. So, yeah, people would probably like to get away from me or just news in general, but I'm still here. Good. <laughs> so you can't shake him yet. And uh, if you're wondering, or if you, I've heard from a lot of people lately that say, oh, I, I'm sad because I listen to you guys on the way to church, or I'm sad, you know, because it was my Sunday listening. Well, first of all, thank all of you. Again, it was not your fault. Listeners and volume of listeners was not the issue here. Trust me. Uh, we had a real audience, and, and it's a shame that we couldn't uh, take advantage of it. But again, I don't feel like talking about it. Um, I'm frustrated with myself in, in this also. 
if you want Sunday listening, you're going to get Sunday listening. But it's not going to be on the radio. So if you are a, a, a podcast listener, if you are on the internet at all, you'll be able to find it. So I will be recording on Saturday night. I'll actually be doing it live on a, on a live stream. Uh, Sunday's podcast. So if you are a podcast listener, you'll still get it. It'll just be recorded at a different time on demand for you. So if you're a radio listener, here's how you will be able to find it. Uh, Mike in the morning or just my name should turn up results wherever you get your podcast. Either one, sometimes like Spotify, I don't know. It's all messed up. But one of those two will turn up results guaranteed. Subscribe to the podcast and it will be uploaded late Saturday night. Or, if you want to watch it recorded live, when the games are over, when the day is done on Saturday, it'll be late. I can't believe I'm doing this to myself, but it'll be late on Saturday. When all the games are done for the day, I'm going to go live on a live stream. It'll be the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter, uh, Facebook, and YouTube. So if you're a YouTube user, again, my name, Michael Borky on YouTube. Just search that and subscribe to the YouTube channel And follow us on all the social platforms and you can see it there. So you'll still get your Sunday listening. It'll just be recorded at a different time. But there won't be anything in between the recording and when you want to listen to it on Sunday morning. It will be after all the games are done. It will be recorded live. So subscribe to the YouTube channel. And also everywhere you get your podcasts. So uh, thank all of you for listening. And we talked about it a lot last week also. Uh, Bo, yes, it will be an Apple podcast. It it will be everywhere you get your podcasts, uh, wherever you get them. So Apple, I think it has to be Mike in the Morning. I think that's the search that that will bring it up. Uh, I am trying to make it to where my name will also do it, but I guess if you're listening now, uh, you are aware of how to get it. So that will be be it right there. And subscribe to that podcast, and you will get Sunday listening just in a different form. And it'll be late, late, late Saturday night uh, when it uh, when it gets recorded live for whatever it's worth. But when that gets recorded, so Stephen's going to be a co-host of a podcast. You're still going to get your Sunday listening. It's just not going to be sadly like this anymore. So you're swapping out one bad time slot, waking up early on Sunday mornings to now stay up very late on a Saturday. You just must really not like sleep. I don't. I mean, I've never really required it anyway. So when you have kids, you're you're going to be sleep-deprived regardless. But I think I did uh, a little bit better with that than most just because I don't require sleep like most people do. My wife always gets – she doesn't get mad at me. She always just hates that. I can, I can run on five hours of sleep, no problem. I, like last night, I couldn't sleep. My neighbor – so there are two houses that share my back fence – they're ba- it's basically split right down the middle. We are we're lucky we have a pretty big backyard. And the people that share our back fence don't. So, so it's basically cut in half. On the, the left side, so the left neighbor that shares my back fence has a gigantic motion light. I mean, it is, it is bright, bright, bright motion light. And if the wind is blowing at all, they have a tree in their backyard that moves. And it triggers the motion light. So every five seconds, we have blackout curtains. Doesn't matter. It it flat it shines into our bedroom. My wife wears one of those masks, so she 
I can't. It makes me uncomfortable. So 3 o'clock in the morning and just light beaming into my room and, and shutting off. And five seconds later, beaming into my room and shutting off. And so I, I couldn't sleep last night. But I'm good. So See, if I'm would, up till 11 o'clock on a Saturday night or whatever, I, I'm okay. I just don't require that much sleep. That would absolutely ruin my next day. If something like that happens where I'm being woken up by light at 3 a.m., one, I can't fall back asleep. And two, I don't do well on not a lot of sleep. So I would be an absolute zombie for the rest of the day. So more power to you for being able to do that. <laughs> these, these last almost two years now that we've been doing this show, I feel like I've gotten a little better at being able to just yeah. kind of wake up and just be ready to go. But I'm still not there yet. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Wait till you have kids, buddy. Yeah, that'll, that'll be an eye-opener for sure. Uh, so, yeah, we went through a lot of why last week. I don't want to rehash it, but I do just want to thank all of you guys for listening. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, that's for sure. It just uh, it just boils down to, at the end of the day, as with most things, it's finances. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of how it goes. So, St- Stephen and I value our time now. It's amazing. Two years ago we didn't, but now it's like, Extra work, no extra money, not an option anymore. Not not an option. Yeah, it anymore. starts to be kind of a balancing act, yeah. and when, when one side starts to go way up and the other doesn't, I guess something's got to give. Tim and Corn says take a pellet gun to it at three a.m. Man, I, I have, and they're nice people, and I've said something to it to him about it before, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm sorry, we'll take care of it," and then they didn't. I don't know how you can sleep at night with that being, you know, on your house. As long as you know it's facing I mean? the other way. I, I guess so. It, it just it beams into our back window every time the wind is blowing. So, you know, every other night because the wind blows often and the tree that triggers it is 15 feet in front of the thing. I mean, at that point, what, what purpose does the light serve? Because if there is somebody sneaking around your backyard, you're going to think it's the tree. You know, I imagine the reflection off of it, like the light into the tree is similar to every single like cartoon nightmare that like a little kid has where like all the yeah, limbs are going and they <laughs> looks think like a monster. Yeah, they think it's a scary monster and it's just the tree limbs. Speaking of scary, man, my, my son, speaking of him and last night, when we put him to bed, he spent like 20 minutes just staring at the baby monitor camera. It was so creepy because the way the camera set up, it's night vision, right? So you can obviously see them in a dark room. Their eyes glow. So his glowing eyes were just looking at the camera for some reason. Like he was some kind of devil boy. It was, cr- some it was paranormal creepy. activity stuff. And then he grabbed his little stuffed elephant and curled up and went to sleep. And it was all good. But for a while, I thought he was possessed or something. Well, I'm glad he wasn't. He was not. No, he was not. So, all right. We got a show to do still. This Sunday and next Sunday, we've got a show to do. So we're going to do just that. 601-879-4395 is the text line. We'll be back. Did you see what happened to Conor McGregor's leg last night? I did. I saw it this morning. I did not stay awake nor pay for it last night, though. Yeah, so I don't quite under and to each their own I, I'm certainly not going to shame somebody for for liking the UFC 
The only thing I don't quite understand is pro wrestling. But again, you know, to each their own. I'm not going to make fun of somebody for liking something. I was a big fan of Game of Thrones until they ruined the entire series with the atrocity that was the final season. So I'm not making fun of anybody. I just UFC's not my thing. They're shorter fights. I don't know. And a lot of the ground stuff I don't understand. Maybe that's part of it. But I'm not spending. What, what did the fight cost last night? I feel like they usually cost like 60 or 70 so, bucks, well, I think. We'll call it 60 bucks to stay up after midnight to watch a fight that lasted three minutes. You know, I'm I just I'm used to sports like football where it's four hours worth of something that, you know, you spend all day getting ready for and all that. But games don't start at midnight and you know that they're going to be a while. I couldn't imagine spending 60 bucks to watch something for three minutes. I don't know. It's just never really been something that I've gravitated to. And maybe some of those fights end up being great, but I feel like more often than not, they only last, like you said, for like three minutes and they're over and you've not wasted your whole day, but you've been just anticipating this fight and you paid for it and then it's just, boom, over in the blink of an eye. And it was last night. In case you guys missed it, so it, it was not an injury that occurred like immediately during a kick or something like that. McGregor last night uh, in the first round just took a step funny, and it looked like at first that he just rolled his ankle. You know, that's all it looked like. And then you see the other angle, and he snapped his lower tibia in half. In half. Boom, right in half. Yeah, it took me a second watch to really see what happened. And I don't usually like watching those kind of like gruesome injury kind of things. So when I once I noticed it, I kind of just threw my phone down like, oh, I, I, I usually and always do hate seeing that kind of stuff. But yeah, you don't notice it because it was such a, so like you said, it just looked like he rolled his ankle at first. And then you really see how bad it was. And then they slapped a cardboard box around it and tied it with some uh, that that looked like ribbon or something to keep it stable until the uh, was it the gurney till the gurney got there. What's that? The like stretcher? The stretcher? Yeah. yeah, that's usually just what I call it. Yeah, I figured they would throw him in one of those like air casts. You think they would have that? I mean, my gosh, these guys are kicking each other in the le- like they're using one leg to kick the other leg. You think that eventually one might snap? It's happened before. You'd think like under the octagon or like at a table nearby, they would have some medical equipment that isn't a cardboard box to slap on a guy's leg as he snaps it in half during the fight. I don't know. I I mean, you would think that that would be something that you would have on hand. Like, I am more prepared at home for a leg snapping than UFC was last night when McGregor just stepped backwards and like a perfect showman. He's laying down there. His leg is in half. He, he completely, what was it, compound fracture is what it's called when it completely breaks? I think that's what yeah, it's called. Yeah, just like a clean break. Uh, he's got, he had to get surgery this morning. If it hasn't happened, it's going to happen soon. I mean, it's emergency surgery today to fix it. I mean, he shattered his leg. And he's laying there with cardboard wrapped around his leg, yelling in the microphone that Joe Rogan's holding, about how his opponent's wife DM'd him and that it's not over and he's coming for him and he told an entire arena of people to kiss his you-know-what while his leg is shattered. Fighters are different, man. 
And you can barely understand him because of that accent. But you, you get the, your wife sent me DMs thing. You can hear that for sure. And then it's not over. Everything after that's kind of, I'm going to need somebody that's uh, of Irish descent to translate what the heck he was talking about there. I am glad that Joe Rogan was the one asking him the questions and not Addison Ray or whoever that TikTok person is that almost did all the sideline or whatever kind of coverage they call it for UFC. <laughs> there is, and a lot of you guys know this already, there is no group of people more fragile than sports media people. There is, I mean, so there's, I don't know who this person is, but her name is like, Addison Ray, right? I have I don't know how she's famous or why, but I know she's famous. And UFC had her with a microphone on, I guess, their version of the red carpet, right? Because it was it wasn't yesterday; it was the day before, if I'm remembering correctly, or was it yesterday? It was long before the fight, is what I'm getting at. It was a uh, a video or a picture that was circulating. I guess she put on Twitter of herself holding the UFC microphone and said, "What did she say, Stephen?" She said, I went to, basically, like, I went, I went to, to three months of journalism yeah. classes for this or something like that. Yeah, here it is. I studied broadcast journalism in college for three whole months to prepare for this moment. Delta Dandy, thank you for the correction. A compound fracture is when it goes through the skin. That is not what happened last night. Thank you. Well, that's like what happened to Kevin Ware at Louisville then. That's what, yeah, oh. in, in Tiger Woods. Um, that did not happen last night. So you can watch the video, not get completely disgusted. But it's, it's not pretty when you watch it. Uh, anyway, sports media, blue checkmark sports writers lost their minds because the, the ultimate fighting championship dared have a super famous young girl with a microphone and a camera at an entertainment party press conference thing and not a years studied journalist to, to do that. I mean, th- there's not a group more fragile, especially than sports writers. Because sports writers have such an overinflated sense of self-importance on top of the fact that they think that they should get the reporter job at the UFC red carpet over an entertainer. I mean, wh- what do you think UFC is? Random blue check mark. It's entertainment. They want more people to watch. They couldn't care less about journalism they want they want people to entertain the more of a train wreck she is the better because people will watch it and they'll put it on their tiktoks and they'll promote ufc yeah let's go get uh, this guy from northwestern who got a master's degree in journalism from the middle school at northwestern to talk to ufc fighters and models on a red carpet that's what we want we're so our business guys journalists in general are so fragile so fragile you should have seen the reaction to this god forbid ufc find it what, how many millions of followers does she have online millions like tens of millions right yeah she's like i guess like a, the like a tiktok icon TikTok, or yeah. something millions and millions and millions of followers why would they do anything other than that she wow she has 81.9 million followers. Yeah. And, and guys, sports media had a collective meltdown, meltdown over this girl working one day at the UFC red carpet. It's insane, the reaction that this got. It's completely insane.
Dana White is an entertainer. During COVID shutdowns, he rented out an entire island to put fights on. That's what he does. I will say, I didn't love it when I saw it as, you know, somebody, you, I know you went to journalism school also. I went to journalism school. Probably, in hindsight, not a great decision. But, you know, it's not like, and the more I, I sat down and thought about it, this makes much more sense in the UFC. You're never going to see something like this on an NFL sideline or no. for a sport that is actually in the mainstream. UFC, it is a very niche kind of sport, and I think that's why they, they do things like that, because it's entertainment at the yeah. end of the day. No, you won't see that in football at all. But it's not football. I mean, Kirk Herbstreit got his start on the sidelines. Cole Kublik doesn't need to be on the sidelines anymore. He needs to replace Jordan Rogers in the booth, but we can save that gripe for later. <laughs> or if he's on the sidelines, actually talk to him. Yeah, use him <laughs> in the broadcast. The, the smartest analyst you've got in college football, we'll just ignore him for quarters while we talk about my time on The Bachelor or whatever. Oh, wait, no, he was he was on The Bachelorette, right? Yeah. His wife was The Bachelorette. Right, and... he was competing with the other guys yeah. for The Bachelorette. You think they go back and watch that? Like her, her hooking up with other dudes and yeah, stuff on camera? You I think they watch that? I don't think that would be a good idea. Ugh. That wouldn't lead to a, a productive conversation. It's tough. But yeah. If you ever wondered the collective mindset of, of sports journalists, guys, you should have seen the reaction that the UFC got for putting a girl with 82 million followers online and gave her a microphone for a day. No wonder the industry's dying. Sports Sunday. Speaking of dying, we'll be back. Speaking of injuries, one, Greg Hardy got smoked last night. That was cool. Ah, that, was, that was cool. I mean, if anything good happened last night, that was it. Yeah, I think that's something that everyone can agree on. Ronald Acuna Jr. I mean, the Braves are are so close to being like appointment viewing for all baseball fans. Right now, it's Shohei Otani and the Padres. I know there are better teams, but the, they're appointment viewing. The Padres are so much fun. And Shohei Otani is doing things. Like I said a few weeks ago, it's fun to go back to uh, my, my Twitter mentions. A couple months ago, I think it was, when I asked the question simply, is Shohei Otani the most complete, or universally talented baseball player since Babe Ruth? And you should have seen the replies. Oh, he's not even, he's not even the most talented on his team, you idiot. Uh, Shohei Otani is doing things that no other baseball player has ever done. He's the first ever all-star in pitching and hitting. He's unbelievable. He's got 32 home runs at the All-Star break. He, he's possibly going to be chasing records if he doesn't slow down after the All-Star break. It's unbelievable what he's doing. The Braves were getting close as an organization to being one of the faces of baseball. And I'm, it, One ACL tear isn't going to be the end of that, but it's just such a shame when a, a player like this goes down 
in that way. It's just awful. I actually I took a nap yesterday, and I woke up, and that was the first kind of like little alert that I had on my phone, and I legitimately thought that I was dreaming. And I fell back asleep and woke back up to actually then seeing the video. That was devastating. Really just coming off of making it to the NLCS last season for the Braves, this season was really the first time in a long time that as a Braves fan I had these kind of real World Series almost expectations coming into this season. And then just at every turn, it's just been bad luck after bad luck. And this injury really just kind of seals it. And they're only four games back of the Mets somehow after what's been a terrible start to the season. But yeah, just an absolutely brutal injury. And really for baseball. Baseball needs players like Ronald Acuna in the lineup every day, bringing people to their TVs and just... Now you don't get that for the next nine to ten months. And so he may not even be ready for the start of next season, which is terrible. Mm. The Mets might find a way to blow it, though. I mean, you know the Mets by now. but All too well. Baseball I... needing it's a really good point. Yeah. What, what it was blowing my mind, I've been meaning to talk about this on the regular show. You know, we just had Mississippi State winning the national championship and all that. But what Shohei Otani's doing... Is not being blasted everywhere, right? D- does that make sense? Uh, I mean, what you are seeing, or based on ratings numbers and availability to actually watch him play, you're very likely not seeing history. Shohei Otani is doing things, like I said right now, it's not hyperbole. He is doing things right now that no player has done ever in the sport. Ever in the sport, what he is doing right now. And he does it with such style. I mean, it's not even just that he hits home runs and throws 100 miles an hour. The way he plays, this is going to sound kind of corny, but, like, it's beautiful. Watching him swing a bat is like watching Ken Griffey swing a bat. You you guys remember Ken Griffey. A lot of people have been better hitters than Ken Griffey Jr. A lot of them. But that swing, you guys remember that swing. So smooth. It was, it was perfect. It was just, you, you wanted to watch him hit. Even if he didn't get a hit, you got to see him swing. It was just something about that that drew you to him. Otani's got the same swing, man. It's a little bit, it's obviously different, but he's so fluid. It, it's, it's just such a joy to watch, but it is not pl- just blasted everywhere. We should have, ESPN should be pushing p- uh, alerts to our phones when he's up to bat. That's how this guy should be promoted because history is happening not right in front of our eyes, and it should be. You know, I think it was, it was either last season or two seasons ago, Major League Baseball and Twitter had some kind of partnership where there was something called the Twitter hitter of the day. And any time that that player came up to bat, you would get a notification like that, and it would bring you into a live feed of that player's at bat. I don't know why they stopped that. They need to bring it back right now and isolate it on players like Otani or Fernando Tatis or Acuna before he got hurt. Guys like that, I think that would be huge. The NBA ratings are down, and we've talked about this before, but people still engage with it on social media. MLB ratings are down everywhere, and people don't interact with it on social media. So if you can bring that into the fold at least – 
it gets you more exposure with a younger audience. They need to. And, and so it, most everything but the NFL, everything's down. The NHL was down this year. Uh, college basketball was down. College football was down largely. The playoffs were, they, they plummeted. Uh, everything's down, really. But the NBA crowd at least is younger. Excuse younger. That is better for the long-term, at least sustainability of the product if their audience is younger. Baseball's is not necessarily. Skew's much older, which is fine, but you've got a guy right now. And the best thing about Otani, he's a great pitcher, but you see him every day still. He'll pitch one night and hit while he's pitching and then hit the next. His numbers. Right now, He's hitting, it's 276, but he has 33 home runs. His wins over replacement are 5.5. He has an OPS of 1.058 in an era where nobody at all is hitting. His slugging percentage is 700. 700. And then he goes and pitches. He goes and pitches, and he's 4-1 and on the season. He's got a 3.4 ERA, and he throws 100 miles an hour through the duration of his start. So he's electric on the mound and effective on the mound, and then he'll go hit home runs. And then if he puts one on the ground, if he happens to not hit it 400, what was the the one he hit the other night in Seattle, 475 feet, something something like that? Made it to the third deck. When he's not doing that, if he puts the ball on the ground, he's beating out throws to first base. He's one of the fastest guys on the field every night he plays. He's a big guy, too. I mean, everything about the way he plays is fluid. It's, It's beautiful the way he plays the game of baseball. And yet, it's not everywhere. It should be in front of your face always. It should be covered by everybody. History is being made, and it is not national sports news. Not the way it should be, anyway. Not the way the home run chase, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa was covered, that Mark McGuire. You had to watch Barry Bonds every night, in part because, well, you could. You can't now. But what he's doing should not be lost on sports fans because this may go away soon. But this season, the stuff he's doing right now is unlike anything we've other se- ever seen in the sport before. I, I keep telling my dad, my, my dad hasn't watched professional baseball in years, and he played in college. It's just the product is boring to him now. But he's checking out Otani. And baseball, excuse me, I should have done that before I hit the button to turn the microphone on. But baseball needs stuff like this, and and we keep talking about it. And last night, Garrett Cole threw a 130-pitch complete game, which, in my opinion, was one of the most needed things because of all of this spider tack, whatever, pitcher checks. That's all we've heard about for the last couple weeks in baseball. And Garrett Cole was one of the guys who his ERA had kind of skyrocketed since this whole thing started. And so for him to go out there and do that in what is now a rivalry with the Yankees and the Astros because of the cheating and all yeah. that that happened, I think that was huge. So you've got a guy hitting the ball like Otani is while pitching also. But then Garrett Cole on the mound gives you that kind of vintage Telling his coach to four-letter <laughs> word that starts with an F- Sit the four-letter word down. Yeah, that was awesome. 
And Aaron Boone needs to sit down right now. He's managed the Yankees into the ground so far this season. And so Garrett Cole just manning up there and saying, I'm finishing this game one way or the other, that was awesome. I do respect the heck out of a coach, though, to or manager, to let a guy do that, though. I, I honestly, I respect that. Yeah, most Because some... he very well could have pulled rank and been, mm-hmm. you know what? Now, you're not talking to me like that. Get out, you know? He could have done that. But, hey, my guy's fired up. See what he's got. I think Aaron Boone might know that Garrett Cole's going to be there for longer than he is. <laughs> William sent us a picture of uh, Shohei bowing and shaking hands, photoshopped in with uh, Babe Ruth. That's a really cool picture. I mean, that, that's where the comparisons are at this point. As far as what they're doing on the field currently. I'm not saying that Shohei is one of the or the greatest player to ever live because he's got to do it for, for many years. But that's the only comparison that's left for what he's doing right now. Is Babe Ruth. That's it. If the Angels are on, the team is bad, but, but watch him. Because of this guy. You won't regret it. He's unbelievable. Unbelievable. 6 year one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. Michael Borky and Stephen Gagliano with you. It is Sports Sunday for another week and hour and seven minutes. Penultimate episode of, of this show. Coming that, to an end. That song that just led us in there, that song and Sledgehammer to start, those will now be two songs that I will forever associate with this show. Nice. I had... I'd obviously heard both before, but never this many times. And that for some reason, obviously, Brass Monkey, it's got that unique sound, so yeah. it always sticks out whenever we play it. So now, forever onward, I'll associate those two songs with this show. Yeah, I got an email a couple of years ago from a listener of the weekday show that, that heard that song coming into a segment and thought, funky, F-U-N-K-Y, what they're saying there, Uh-oh. was a different word. <laughs> And they requested that I explain to their children why that word is inappropriate. I don't think you'd still be on the air if you chose to play that song. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they didn't respond after I sent them a link to the lyrics of the the song. That's all I did in response. I I wasn't mean. I just said, hey, here's what they're saying. Link to the lyrics. And they didn't reply after that. They usually don't. No. I mean, I guess I can see where that's coming from, but, you know, use your brain and, and stuff like that. Russell and Edwards uh, reminding me, yeah, this was awesome. Uh, the the Braves threw a combined no-hitter last night, their fourth in team history. Went to a game a few weeks ago. A lot of fun. It's a good time. I yeah. don't like baseball. I mean, you just you lay back, you watch good baseball. These guys are, you know, 19, 20-year-old kids just living the dream. I had an old high school buddy that pitched for the Braves for a little while. Little while, the uh, the host family they put him with uh, had a house on the reservoir and a couple of boats and a jet ski. They let him use whenever he wanted. See, that's a good. He was situation like, he was like, man, I loved it. He's like, when I got called up, I didn't want to leave. He's like, every, and he was a pitcher too, uh, a relief pitcher, so he did have to kind of get ready every night. But he was like, days after I'd pitched like extended outings, I'd spend it on the lake, show up to the stadium at four or five o'clock, and you know I'd be all good. But from eight until three thirty, I was on the lake. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I mean, what a life, right? Talk about a, a a good draw, your host family having a lake house in the reservoir. Imagine that. During his rehab, if Acuna plays 
for the M Braves, even just like for oh a night. Oh my god, that will be a hot ticket. Oh man, that would be so awesome. So if it's ten months, will they be here yet? What well, when does the minor league season start? It's April, right? I think it started Late in April? May this May? year. I don't know if that was affected because of COVID or whatever. So I'm not sure exactly when it normally starts, but if that happens, you want to get your ticket now somehow. Oh, that will if be I can, awesome. Yeah, call over to the ticket office and say, can I reserve a block of tickets for vaguely 10 months from now? We did get to see uh, Dansby and, and Ozzy in the middle infield here for a while. Yeah, it's cool. They've got like a like a mural on the wall of like pictures of all the guys that have like come through there. And Acuna is on there actually from when he was coming up too. Uh, you've got him. You had Snitker there for a while as the manager. Uh, you had Freddie Freeman pass through there. So really cool. You've gotten to see a lot of, you know, all-star caliber players come up through this system. For sure. 601-879-4395 is the text line. Uh, JP in Pascagoula says this is a cool picture. It's uh, Shohei shaking the hand of Ichiro, who's uh, still around. Um Said I had 20-inch arms growing up. Home runs were easy to hit. I was the man in, uh, on the right. I aspired to be in the box. No shot of Acuna Jr. channeling, channeling his inner Tim Elko. No, no, he's going to get surgery. That will, f- will forever be one of just the coolest stories in baseball, in college baseball at least, and not one that will soon be forgotten around here. I just can't figure out how you do that. It never made sense to me. Watching We're not him. all created equal. I mean, that's no. it. it. When your mom and dad say you can be anything you want, sorry, kids, you can't. Like, there, there's a video out there of DK Metcalf yesterday doing a 42 inch box jump, right? What is that, three and a half feet? Yeah. And he, on one leg, so he does it on one leg, holding a gigantic medicine ball. Huge. Like, he's got to wrap his arms around the medicine ball. And on one leg, he does a 42 inch box jump. We are not all created equal. No amount of training or work or effort could have ever gotten me to that point. I am not the same species as DK Metcalf. He is from another planet or something. Like he, he, he was sent down by the aliens that have been harassing our warships in the Pacific Ocean lately. Like they're just checking up on their boy DK, seeing how he's doing in the NFL. Like that's what they're here for. Because that kid is not a human in the same way we are. There's no way. I watched like 30 seconds of the ESPYs last night, and he oh, was you up did? for I did. <laughs> he was up for play of the year, where he chased down was it Buddha Baker? Yeah, for uh, for the Cardinals, he didn't win. DeAndre Hopkins won for the uh, for the Hale Murray. Oh, that's not no, I know, come on. It, just watching what? that replay of him just full on sprinting for a hundred yards is insane. I'm sorry. The the chase down is so much more impressive than catching a Hail Mary. Um, I mean, come on. Yeah, maybe a little bias there. Who but that's knows? why you don't watch the ESPYs. Oh, I didn't watch a second <laughs> of it last night. It was terrible. No surprise there. Probably a record viewership low as well. 601-879-4395. Hour number two, which means only three left in the show. Sports Sunday on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Michael Borky. He's Stephen Gagliano. People were freaking out last night, by the way, because Team USA Basketball lost an exhibition game to Nigeria. They were 
29-point favorites in the exhibition, and they lost. And I saw so much, well, that's a wake-up call for this team, or FIBA basketball is different and all that stuff. Guys, you can't tell Kevin Durant to care about an exhibition game. You can't get Dame Lillard to give maximum effort in an exhibition game. It's like if if the Chiefs lost to the Lions in the preseason, nobody would bat an eye, right? Nobody would care. It's the preseason. Who cares? Not me. That's what happened yesterday. But people are, oh my gosh, this is just an awful sign for things to come. No, it's not. No, no. Mm-mm. No, a team with a starting five of Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Dame Lillard, Bam Adebayo, they're, they're not losing in the Olympics, okay? An exhibition game isn't an indicator of anything, and I, I, I just want people to bring the same energy that they brought to Team USA basketball to the Chiefs when they lose a preseason game this year. I want that same energy. These guys in the NBA don't even care about the regular season right. <laughs> in their own sport, let alone an exhibition game before the Olympics. Uh, people just jumped on it, man. I didn't know that Team Nigeria was coached by Mike Brown, though. That was kind of an interesting tidbit there. And I, yeah, they, it and popped up like after the game last night, and people were just saying, like, "Kudos to Mike Brown! What a great job!" But uh, what was it, Woj, or somebody called it the greatest upset in Olympic basketball history? It's like, man, <laughs> you you can't label that in an exhibition. I'm sorry. I know everybody wanted to have you know a hard take about all this stuff. It's an exhibition game. The greatest upset ever would be if this was like the gold medal round and Team USA lost to like Finland in basketball or something. Then you can call yeah. that a great upset. This, it's not a blip on the radar after today. It shouldn't be, but, but you know how, this, how that goes. It just kind of happens that way. I don't know if Finland's good, by the way. That was just the first country that came to mind for some reason. Uh, usually we have a pretty light mood uh, around this show. Generally, I try to bring light moods to most uh, of the content that I do. But th- this is a story that's out there, guys. And I think that um, I think we need to talk about it. It's directly involving sports. But thank God, quite literally, thank God that a hotel maid... Uh, alerted authorities about something that she saw. Reading from News Channel 7 in Denver. Police feared a Las Vegas-style shooting during the All-Star Game in Denver after receiving a tip from a maid working at a hotel not far from Coors Field. You can actually see Coors Field from the hotel. It's a block or so away from the hotel. Who discovered more than a dozen weapons, more than 1,000 rounds of ammunition inside one of the rooms on Friday night. Multiple uh, informed law enforcement sources connected with the investigation told Denver's 7 Liz Giraldi uh, that they found the weapons inside the room on the 8th floor of the Maven Hotel as All-Star Game celebrations got underway. Sources said police removed 16 long guns. I I assume those are rifles and shotguns because I don't know why they wouldn't specify, but that's what the article says. 16 long guns, body armor, More than 1,000 rounds of ammunition from the room, which featured a balcony overlooking the downtown area. That balcony would be overlooking where all the the festivities, everything around the All-Star Game would have been happening. That street uh, starting here, what, in a couple days? The Home Run Derby is tomorrow night? Correct. 
So starting tonight and tomorrow night, that street would have been flooded and packed with people. Based on the information provided by the hotel employee, police executed a search warrant and found the guns, ammo, body armor, and a man inside of the room on the eighth floor. One of the suspects arrested Friday night had posted a message on Facebook referencing a recent divorce, saying he wasn't, quote, going to go, or he was, quote, going to go out in a big way, end quote. SWAT teams responded to the Maven Hotel and Wazi Street was closed to the public as investigators combed the scene. One witness saw a car being loaded on a flatbed. Other witnesses said Denver Chief of Police uh, Paul Pazin was one of the law enforcement officials investigating the scene at the hotel. In total, three men and one woman were arrested on Friday night, along with two vehicles that were impounded and being processed for evidence. Um, They're all in their 40s. Richard Platt, for investigation of possession of a weapon by a previous offender, possession of a controlled substance with intent to distribute. It's similar charges for all four of them. Um, The investigation is active and ongoing. The Denver police are soliciting information if you happen to recognize any of the people the videos of them being arrested are online um i don't know um like when i read this story last night the amount of emotions that i had it's kind of staggering right because i can i mean you can see it in your head right what would have happened Unfortunately, you can. And and when you mention the Las Vegas style shooting, I you hate that there's a style for this yeah, kind of thing. God, and it, I know, right? It's disgusting. And there was another incident in Chicago where they I, they found guns in a hotel room where it was overlooking a fireworks event for the Fourth of July recently. And it's man, it's and, so and with scary. that too, the, the the sounds could have been masked. Right. It would have taken. Taking moments to f- for people to, to figure out what was going on. and Around an event like the All-Star Game, where it's supposed to be such a celebration of, of baseball and of American ideals and, and everything that's great about America. Same thing with a 4th of July celebration. For disgusting people to even think about doing something like this, it... It is an emotional thing to read, and I, I saw it when I woke up this morning and kind of reading through it, and it, it just it takes you back, and just yeah. really in the worst way possible. Man, um, thank God for that made, and that and, and that those, goes to, those coward, those complete cowards, pathetic. I mean, they don't anyway. Thank God for that, made Right. And it, it all goes back to whether it's this situation or I recently covered a story where the Attorney General's office and Department of Public Safety, they're launching a human trafficking, you know, uh, task force, basically, and a, a campaign to alert people to the dangers and the warning signs. If you're someone in a position like this made was, say something, tell someone, even if you're wrong, I mean, you could end up saving countless lives in this situation she did and just if you see something out there tell someone about it it's it's just hard i mean yeah it's awful think about if if they would have hid them better or or slapped the do not disturb sign on their door because the only way she's in there right is if they didn't um 
what we would have seen today. <sighs> Somebody's got to do something. I mean, I, I don't... They, they, mm. Bunch of people with priors, too. Yep, that's known by law enforcement for one reason or another. One of them on a weapons charge. There's so many angles to the, you know, to the debates of what yeah, of gun control and, and whatever that I'm sure other people on this network will talk about through the week. And there are just situations that you can look at from a thousand feet away and know there are certain people that shouldn't have them. And that's as much as I'll say on it because I don't yeah, want to get people riled up about something like that this morning. I don't think you'll but, find many people disagreeing with the fact that these four people should not have right. been I would in possession of this. Yeah, and when you read a story like this, and we, we all associate sports with so many happy memories. and It's all they are. Yeah, the good that it can do for our country, and we saw the good that it did for our country through this pandemic and them coming back. And so when you see a story like this that is connected to sports that could have ended in such a tragic way, you just you thank God that it, it didn't. And it, it'll create many more debates from here on. But just the fact that it came to this resolution, it thank God is, is the best I can say it. Everybody there is going to be on edge, though. I mean, uh, if if I if I was there with my son, am I bringing him to the, the All Star game now? No. no way. We're on their way home. Yep. Mm. <sighs> That's tough. It's great news through awful news, but man. All right, we've got uh, we've got more sports content coming up. I just you know that. That's something that it's that's quite depressing, honestly. Um, but it's a it's a story that I think we need to bring up. If you guys hadn't seen it, I think you needed to know about what what almost happened at the All Star Game this year. It's terrible. We'll be right back. We are inside of fifty days until the start of college football season. What are we now? Forty eight. Until the opening weekend, which doesn't feature Ole Miss, Mississippi State, or Southern Miss, but it does feature college football, which is what matters. Exactly. Week zero. Not not a great slate of games, if I remember correctly. Well, you've got two that are interesting. This will be the third place I brought it up. I don't care because it's exciting. Uh, it's um, I think Nebraska anyone's... at Illinois, I know, is one of them. That's Scott Frost in a uh, you-better-win-right-now-or-else-we're-going-to-fire-you prodigal son of Nebraska football. It's almost as if that job isn't as good as it used to be. It's almost like Scott Frost should have stayed at UCF. He'd, he was closer to a national championship at UCF than he ever will be at Nebraska. How's that? I saw that graphic you shared earlier this week about like the traditional powers and which one's going to win. So next. just so 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 stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got five games that day, one of which you can't watch at all. These two are on CBS Sports Network: UConn and Fresno State, and Southern Utah and San Jose State. Not going to be tuning in for those. Uh, but Nebraska at Illinois on Fox at noon, big noon kickoff. I guess it's eleven central. But Brett Bielema, 
hosting Scott Frost in Nebraska. I'm in, and then you. I get... forgot about that hire. Honestly, that makes that Love game it. way more entertaining. Love it. <laughs> and Hawaii at UCLA. So you get to see LSU's Week One opponent, and they're uh, hopefully for them a tune-up game before they play LSU. So that's something, right? That's something. Steve's got a few questions, though. First of all, Ole Miss opens up as an eight-point favorite over Louisville. Expectation for the Rebels' first game. Will they be growing pains without Elijah Moore? Is Jerry Neely going to be healthy? That answer is yes. Will the defense be better right away? Will it take time for the new faces? I don't expect Louisville to be particularly good. In fact, I think eight seems pretty low for me. Really low, in fact. I know they lost... Was the name Tutu Atwell? Really good receiver mm-hmm. for them. He was their major playmaker. I think Mississippi State fans will remember that name from the what was it? The Music City Bowl. Yeah, yeah. He had a big game against them. So I know he's gone. Jalen Cunningham, their quarterback from last year, is he back? The quarterback's back. Okay. He wasn't anything special, but he was a turnover continuity. Machine. Yeah, couldn't hold on to the football last year. Um. No, I think a couple of things. First, uh, Elijah Moore, well, we've talked about it before here. I was asked the other day, you know, who's going to step up and take the role of Elijah Moore? Literally no one, and that's okay. They'll have to approach it differently, and that's okay. The beauty of Ole Miss offensively is they do have proven playmakers at the skill positions. People forget Ole Miss led the SEC in rushing last year. Would you think that? Would anybody think that if you said that? People forget that. And the entire room has returned. Everybody. Everybody that got a carry, with the exception of, what, five in the South Carolina game for Elijah Moore, is back on the leading rushing offense in the SEC. I mean, you you look at some of these preview magazines, and they have Ole Miss's running backs, like, number eight or nine in the league. And it's like, did you guys watch last year? All of those kids are back, all of them, and they led the league. I imagine a lot of that came from those guys watching the spring game and not one running back that got a carry last season actually dressed (laughs) for the spring game. So they probably watched that and thought, oh, these guys are terrible. You're giving them too much credit for actually watching the spring game. I think that didn't happen either. I think they just just assume that that Lane Kiffin just throws the football everywhere and doesn't run it. In fact, they, again, led the SEC in rushing. They'll have to approach it differently, but... Um, with continuity in the offense at the quarterback position, returning most of their offensive line, uh, running backs are there. Braylon Sanders will be healthy. Dontario Drummond is still there. I think Ole Miss offensively will be more than capable of lighting up Louisville. I mean, they were without Elijah Moore for a week and had to prepare like at the last moment and still put up numbers against LSU. Yes, they lost the game. Matt Crowell turned it over a bunch, but the numbers were there. And then Indiana had one of the nation's best defenses, and what? We're without Braylon Sanders, we're without Jerry and Ely, we're without Elijah Moore, we're without Kenny Yaboa, and we're playing their backup quarterback at the slot and still put up a bunch of yards against one of the country's best defenses. They will be absolutely fine. when it, With all of that returning and healthy, in week one, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this is like a 42-24 to 24 or 42-17 to 17 kind of game. I expect Louisville to not challenge Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss's toughest non-conference game, no hyperbole as far as the game itself, is going to be Liberty. I think Liberty will be a bigger challenge for Ole Miss than Louisville, truly. 
in part because of where they are on the schedule. I mean, Ole Miss will have many SEC games in a row before they host Liberty. Liberty's got a potential first-round pick at quarterback. It's going to be a good football team, and it's in a weird spot. Ole Miss will be fully healthy, ready to go, and I don't think Louisville is going to be particularly good again, especially after Scott Satterfield actively tried to get the South Carolina job and told everybody that he's going to continue to try to get other jobs in perpetuity. So where it is on the schedule, where the team is right now, health-wise, all that stuff, I think Liberty will be a tougher test for Ole Miss than Louisville. I don't expect it to be close. And so I guess, based on that, then the defense, in your opinion, won't be an issue. Well, it'll, it could still be an issue, but I go back to the South Carolina game last year. South Carolina was not a great offense last year. They still managed to put up 42 points. Yeah. So I guess the hope is, if you're Ole Miss, that this defense does gel a little quicker and you're not in this kind of shootout with a not a bad team, yeah. but a team that you should be better than. They should be. And that's the thing. We'll, we'll talk about Mississippi State here after uh, the hard break if, if we don't get done in time. But um, on paper, which that's all it's worth, they have significantly upgraded in talent on paper, though. On paper. And that's why I have some people asking me, you know, the, the Ole Miss is going to win 10 games this year. Do you agree? Well, they certainly can. Hell, they could have last year. They had they had the ball down to score in the fourth quarter against the national championship winning Alabama last year. Late in the fourth quarter. It, it, it was there. They just couldn't stop anybody. And but, you're a, a ball touching a guy's finger that didn't get reviewed away from beating Auburn, too. Exactly. I mean, it was there for them then. So it certainly it stands to reason that it can be there for them this year as well. Uh, but I'm not predicting anything close to that until I see that they have improved on defense. You can tell me that they've upgraded talent-wise on paper, and I'll agree with you. They have. But until they actually prove that they have, I mean, it's going to probably look very similar to the way it did last year. But they have gotten more talented on the defensive line for sure. They added a high-level transfer linebacker from Maryland. He's a plug-and-play guy, should start right away. And it definitely increased the talent at that position for sure. Pretty experienced there as well. They have Otis Reese, the safety, at the beginning of the season, which should have been the case last year. But it's very clear that they got better defensively after they had a quality safety on the field for the last three games of the year. They very clearly got better with the addition of him, no doubt. They recruited well. I mean, the, the talent has certainly been upgraded, but they got to prove it first. They've got to prove it first, but talent-wise, it's better. You know one spot that I think could win Ole Miss like at least one game this season that I don't think a lot of people are talking about, it. certainly not at this point of the offseason, because why would they? Kicker. They've gotten much better at kicker, too, yes. by default, basically. Yeah. I think that is a position that most people will forget about until the season rolls around. And I think at one point during the 2021 season, that position will win Ole Miss a game that they otherwise could have lost. There's my big prediction here in July. I remember thinking after the Outback Bowl that I I was genuinely happy for the kicker. 
What, did he missed two extra points in a field goal or two field goals in an extra point? He missed an extra point at the end when Ole Miss scored to go up what would have been 27-20 at, you know, with like five minutes left with Indiana getting the ball back. I actually I watched it yesterday. It was on TV, so that's how I, I remember that. But, yeah, yeah it, it gave Indiana a chance to potentially go down and score and win by one. I, I don't know if this is true or not. I was told by somebody sitting near his family at the stadium that after the second missed kick that game, his family had like jerseys and stuff with his name on it. They they went and bought shirts. Oh no. I don't know if that's true or not, but somebody that was at the game told me that happened. So I was I was elated for him in particular that they got that stop and and he didn't have to wear that. Yeah, that would... I think he may have been Lane Kiffin's least favorite player on that roster last year. He would have taken him out into the Bahamas where he's been fishing the last couple of weeks and thrown him <laughs> off the boat. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. We will be right back. One thing I'm going to miss about this show is the people that hear just what they want to hear. Here's a message that we got during the last segment. Okay, Ole Miss is going to win the national championship. Let's move on. It's exactly what we said. I mean, <laughs> to a T. And now I'm sure you'll think that what I'm about to say about Mississippi State means I think they're going to go 0-12. Steven asks, how likely is a true quarterback competition in camp, and how early does a starter need to be in place to avoid a slow start this season? So the answer to the first part, I think, is that is yes, actually. Uh, um, there are times where there's quarterback competitions and they're, they're just lip service. We got it. Forgive me, State fans, using an Ole Miss example, but when Chad Kelly was entering his first year as a starting quarterback at Ole Miss, I talked to somebody who was at his first practice, and the team knew that day that he was their starter. Not because Hugh Freeze told them that he was their starter, but because he was clearly better than all the other ones, and it didn't matter. The team knew that day he was the guy. But they messed around with it for a few weeks and pretended like Ryan Buchanan actually had a shot at winning that job. Uh, Because that's just what they do, I guess. I believe Mike Leach uh, and everybody affiliated with Mississippi State that says that this is a true quarterback competition. I don't think this is lip service. I truly believe that they do not know. I truly believe that they will not decide for weeks into training camp. By the way, Stephen, I don't know if uh, if you heard this. We're, we're, We're starting a movement here. We are not calling it fall camp. Because July and August is not fall. (laughs) So it is training camp. Okay. All right? Just like the NFL. I'll be part of the movement. Be part of the movement. Because when you're doing your news reports about how training camp starts, which, by the way, is three weeks away? Three and a half weeks away or so? Yeah. When we kick off the next iteration of our kind of partnership here, it'll be the perfect time. Perfect. I mean, straight into football season. Time is going to be amazing. We're not calling it fall camp. So when... Mississippi State, I'm Stephen Gagliano with News Mississippi. Mississippi State begins training camp on Wednesday, not fall camp. Perfect. We're starting a movement because it's not in the fall. Let me let me grab my pen. I'll write that one down. <laughs> hey, Dad and I decided that on Friday. We're, we're not calling it fall camp because it's not in the fall. It's 105 degrees out. There's nothing fall about it, all right? Fall camp is October, like when you send your kid to... 
hang out with the Bellhaven soccer team. Like, that's fall camp, okay? We don't usually even actually get a true fall no. around here anymore. So, at no point does fall camp exist. We get it for like two and a half weeks. And those are great two yeah, and a half sh- weeks. Like, very the 17 days window. are awesome. <laughs> uh, but I, I truly believe that there will be no starter named throughout the entire thing, honestly. Mike Leach in the past has gone week to week. He's not afraid of that. If nobody truly separates, he's not going to pick one and stick with one, which is traditional. He's not traditional. As long as it doesn't bleed into the season. And we saw last year he was way too hesitant to just put K.J. Costello kind of where he belonged on the bench. And as long as you don't see a kind of flip-flopping back and forth like you did last year, I think you're okay. But, yeah, I would be cautious of letting that quarterback battle kind of spill over towards the closer mm-hmm. part of the uh, the offseason. He's done it before. I mean, it, I would be surprised if it's not game day until we find out. I wouldn't be surprised. Unless one, if one clearly separates from the other, then it doesn't matter. You know, it's over. Uh, and maybe they'll make an announcement sooner. But I don't think we will know we will find out until game day against Louisiana Tech. I, I really don't. And what would be concerning for me, because Mississippi State has some pieces. they got a couple of good running backs, I think, that you know when they're used will be effective. I think Jaden Wally's an NFL wide receiver. He showed you that skill set last year. They need to use him more, but I suspect they will. And they should be better on the offensive line. They should be. Very similar to the Ole Miss defense, though. they got to prove it first because they were pretty pathetic last year up front. Right, You can't let three guys get through on seemingly every drop back that isn't a quick yeah. you know, a quick route. And that Mississippi State benefited from that last year of a lot of the routes were short, checkdowns. But if you need a play to develop, you can't have your offensive line be letting three guys through. No. It's just not, not a recipe for success. I'm a huge fan of Zach Arnett. I love his scheme. Uh, I like his style, too. I mean, his interviews, even. I, I, just, I think he's sharp. I'm a big fan of his. Huge fan of Zach Arnett's. I think that defensively, Mississippi State will be good in the secondary, especially. Uh, Aaron Brule is an all-league caliber player. They'll miss Errol Thompson, though, but Brule's an all-league caliber player. They'll be fine on that side of the ball. But what would concern me is the fact that you have uncertainty at, at that position. Uh, well, Rodgers has not separated, and that's that's a concern for sure. And, and if we are, you know, through the Louisiana Tech game, and, the, and there's not some clarity, NC State will come in and beat you. They will if there's not clarity. Now, that's not me predicting NC State beating Mississippi State. I'm saying if you're still unsure about quarterback play and you're shuffling guys and you don't know, NC State's going to come in and beat you. Yeah, they don't have the the luxury of starting off with kind of a lax schedule. These are tough games to start the season against Louisiana Tech, who got a transfer quarterback late in the week from former, West Virginia. Yeah, former number 4 overall quarterback in the country in the 2016 recruiting class. Right, so you play a Louisiana Tech team that could be tough, NC State and Memphis, who's always a tough out. So it's not like you're playing three FBS teams to open your season and you can kind of figure things out on the fly. I think you have to have 
more of a set plan at quarterback coming into those three yeah. games. And then obviously before LSU. Definitely before LSU. Uh, the NC State game is fascinating. I mean, I, I can't wait for that game. It's such a big measuring stick weekend for them. Zach on the coast said, if State's not better on the offensive line, it's going to be a long, long season. Yeah, you're not kidding. If it's if they produce the same way they did last year, uh, you're looking at a similar record. I mean, four wins might be the ceiling if they don't get better up front, which, again, on paper they should. I suspect they, that they will. But if they happen to not somehow, it's going to be a long, long, long season. I'm fascinated by that NC State game, one, for the actual result on the field. I'm more fascinated to see how friendly everyone will be with each other yeah, the true. night before and the day leading up. Those two fan bases are forever kind of tied at the hip with this past baseball season. And I think NC State fans and NC and Mississippi State fans are really going to get along well based on the fact that Mississippi State destroyed Vanderbilt. Yeah, they're, NC State fans are going to be shocked, I think, when they travel to Starkville and realize how everybody's just like, what's up? Come on in. And that's usually how most people are received in SEC tailgates anyway. I mean... The, the atmospheres inside of the stadium are hostile, but the tailgating area, like even in Baton Rouge, you know, they, they talk a little more junk than every other fan base I've seen. But if you fire back, they'll toss you a beer. I mean, it's the hospitality in the South is real. It'll be extra special that day, though. That would be, a, I know they'll probably do it at the first game just because that's, you know, the opener. But if they could save. The bring all the baseball no, you know players when that's out gonna on happen. the field. It's not going to be the first game or the second game. It's going to be at the Egg Bowl. True. That that is when they're going <laughs> to do the national championship thing. They're going to shove it in <laughs> Ole Miss's face. It's exactly what they're going to do. As they should. I was going to say or during the Vanderbilt game, but that's on the road, so I guess they can't do it. No, they Although will. there will be more Mississippi State fans in the stadium at Vanderbilt during that game anyway, so they could. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to do that during the Egg Bowl. It's a good point. I had thought of that. They won a game in the College World Series, and then 30 minutes later, Ole Miss announced an extension of the contract of the coach that they've beaten, what what is it, 16 of 19 tries? Something like that. Yeah, they're going to wait until the Egg Bowl. (laughs) Yeah, and and there are. There are Ole Miss people that are not going to like that. (laughs) And that's exactly what they should do, by the way. I was going to say, if Ole Miss fans don't like it, you know, win a national championship. Then you can do whatever you want. Yep. For sure. Will Hall, recruiting well, transferring well. Everything's looking good there, huh? I think so. And I was the portal's been good to them. It has. And I think that's where they'll they'll kind of thrive until Will Hall can really get his feet settled. And he did a great job kind of shoring up a recruiting class right when he got hired. But until he's able to really get into these living rooms and stuff around the state after he's got a couple years, I think the transfer portal will really suit them well. I'm excited to see Ty Keyes, who is a great high school player yeah. and I think will be a great quarterback for Southern Miss. 601-879-4395. One more segment on the penultimate show of Sports Sunday. We'll be back. Same guy that thought... We were saying Ole Miss is going to win the national championship, followed up with 
Thank God you guys were interrupted by a church service. Yeah, thank God for that. That's part of the reason why I don't get paid for this show. Uh, do you really think that State will not be good at quarterback, no matter who the quarterback is after a while, full year in spring under Leach? Just consider the numbers our offense put up last year. Yeah, the offense was bad last year. Yeah, saying consider the numbers from last year is not a good argument here. They were terrible. I mean, yes, yeah, they put up a bunch of yards against Old Miss's SEC, the second worst defense in SEC football history was Ole Miss last year. The second worst defense in SEC history. Sure, yeah, after the game was decided in the fourth quarter, they had a couple of long drives that padded stats, sure. And they scored a bunch against Missouri, who was playing their backup quarterback at safety because they were so COVID-depleted. No, why Mississippi State was competitive last year was because Zach Arnett's defense was high-level. And it will continue to be high-level. Yeah, I think Mike Leach will figure it out offensively. He's got a track record to do it. But questioning whether or not quarterback play will be there is completely fair. It's completely fair. And I mean, I mean, what? aside from somebody wearing the thickest maroon and white glasses on the planet, would not question that. Just like anybody that doesn't question Ole Miss's defense are wearing the thickest red and blue glasses that they could find. I mean, it's fair to question that position right now. There's volatility. The offense was not good last year. Not at all. And if there's not continuity at the most important position, it might struggle again. That's okay to say out loud. And you need good offensive line play mixed in with that. You can be the best quarterback in the world. If you don't have anybody blocking for you for more than one half second, then you're not going to be successful. So those are two things that can be questioned ahead of the season. And we, we said it, that there are pieces on that offense where if those two things gel, I think you're going to see a huge step forward. But, yeah, at no point did we say that they're not going to show any improvement. <laughs> People just they just want to hear what they want to hear. Uh, 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 man. But that's okay. That's what fans do, and I appreciate it. I really do. I mean, I, I like it. I wasn't too long ago where Ole Miss fans hated what we said here every Sunday about Plumlee and that not working. We've come full circle. I almost lost years. a friend because of that. I'm not kidding. A guy, really? a guy that I knew in college stopped talking to me for a while. I'm serious. I'm glad that he probably recognized that you were right. He, apologi- he apologized to me after the Florida game last season. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> he, he, he was like, sorry, man. Yeah. It's like, now I see Sometimes what you Sometimes you got to admit that you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that, uh, that, was, that was a good time. Running up here after James was born. That Friday, that Friday night, we were in the hospital watching. I was taking notes as he was sleeping next to me in the hospital watching the game on this little TV. And the thing about the the maternity ward at the hospital is the remotes is where the volume was. So the volume doesn't come out of the TV. It comes out of the remote. Weird. It was crazy. So I guess so you could sit on the other side of the room and not and have not it disturb loud. the baby. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's what it. That's what it was. Um, and then running up here, that was that was awesome. That's going to be a great story when he can fully comprehend what that meant and what you were doing at the time. That's awesome. I, I'll never forget that week of, you know, we would kind of talk about it through the week. It's like, do you know what the plan is? Obviously not, like, because that kind of thing is unpredictable. So that was 
my moronic question of what are we oh, going to do? I mean, on it's Sunday? not a bad question. It just <laughs> I, I, th- there was no answer. I mean, it it went perfectly. Um, UMC. I mean, the, the stuff that the Children's Hospital there does is incredible because uh, we had to take him back a couple weeks later. He had an infection, and um, we were freaking out. You know, it's our first one. We have no idea, and and just how how calm and comfortable everybody there was was uh it's incredible they do amazing work there anyway good times thinking back on all that now yeah there was there's been a lot from the last two years and and next week uh you know maybe we'll get into some of our best of not necessarily clips but just some some memories from the past almost two years it's uh, it's been a lot of fun doing this show and We've put a lot of time and a lot of effort into it. So seeing it come to an end obviously is a sad thing, but it, it's been a great experience here on, on Sunday mornings with all of you guys out there listening. Yep. Yes, it has. You had a big sports day, by the way, today. Apparently the Wimbledon final is going on. I think Djokovic will probably walk through that one, unfortunately. The but. Euros, the final, was it Italy and England, I think? Yes. I have not watched one second, and apparently I'm alone in that. Yeah, I, I haven't either. And the Gold Cup group play begins where the United States C-slash-D team is playing instead of the ones. They're playing Haiti today. You know, if you care to watch that. I'm probably the only person right now in this audience or on this show that will actually be watching group play of the Gold Cup. Probably. The United States and Haiti. But it's your show, so you get to mention it. I get to mention it, I guess. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. One more week with you next week. Y'all have a good one. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.